Well, let's welcome you back to This Week in the Association. I'm Rob Panier, joined once again by my good buddy, Kevin Luco. And this week, Kevin and I are honored to welcome to the show Lake Country Dock Hounds infielder, Blake DeBerry. Blake, thanks for joining us this week. Hey, guys. Happy to be here. Appreciate you having me on. So, so as I mentioned to you before the show got underway, I, I've been saying for about a month and a half that we are going to have you on the show, Blake. So fans have been kind of anticipating your, your arrival. So you're coming with a lot of hype. So I, I know this is going to be quite the show here for us tonight. Cool, man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> well, let's just first of all talk about, Blake, uh, your your thoughts on this past year with the Lake Country Dockout. Yeah, so it was kind of, I mean, it's kind of wild, to be honest with you. So I got traded over. Um, I got traded over in March, and, um, that, you know, that was kind of an exciting thing. You know, got got traded a little bit closer closer to home. Uh, you know, just selfishly, my parents were, you know, you know, that was more for them. You know, I was able to get that taken care of and get that done, worked out. And, uh, you know, it, it was, I had a real great sort of experience with that. And, um, you know, from the get-go, it was, it was wild. You know, we had, I think, our first road trip, and we got back, and <laughs> our staff was staff was fired. So that was just kind of like a, a wake-up call 10 games in. So that, that, was, that was definitely interesting, but... Um, you know, as the season went on, you know, you know, the, you know, like anyone can tell you the relationships that you build with guys and, you know, the people you meet, you know, the, they have like, you know, an, a lasting impact on you forever. So just from, from a camaraderie clubhouse standpoint, it's awesome, you know, wherever you're, wherever you go. But, um, you know, from everything that, that Tom Kalenic's doing up there, you know, he's, he's in win now mode and I love that. So, I mean, it's, it's easy to get on board when, when when the people at the top are are trying to win and try to try to build you know a championship, so it makes it real easy for for me to to hop on for the ride. What's that like for you when um you have a big managerial change like that? Because I, I you know some teams totally respond to that and all of a sudden catch fire, and some teams go in the tank after that happens. So what's the mentality after a move like that is made? Yes, to be honest, that was the first time I'd ever really experienced anything like that. You know, my previous, you know, my time with the Mets and all of that, I've never really had anything significant like that other than, yeah, I can't even, I can't even put a, put a thought to that of when something like that had happened before. So, you know, the way I looked at it was, you know, you see managerial coaching staff, you know, changes happen frequently in the big leagues and, you know, other professional sports where it's, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, my job is to show up and play and, you know, take care of my business and what I have to do. And, you know, that's a lot of things, a lot of things in this game are out of my control. So I've learned uh, to steer away from those things that I can't control and just to focus on, you know, what's my task at hand and what's my job. So, um, you know, before, if I think about, you know, kind of how it was handled, you know, like I said, it was, it was done, you know, the best to my knowledge, you know, as an outsider, it kind of happened the way it, you know, is what it is. But, you know, uh, Tom brought in, uh, Huck, who was, who was awesome, you know, resonated with the guys well, and you know, started to just instill that culture of what we're trying to do there. So it made it, you know, kind of, like I said, easy to, easy to hop on the train. Was there any pressure that you felt like you had to make an impact right away to impress the manager or 
is there enough confidence in your own abilities where you're just like, hey, I'm going to just play my game and let the chips fall where they may? Yeah, uh, like I said, you always want to make a great first impression, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's for me, it's, you know, if I play my game, play my style, everything's going to take care of itself, you know, so it just, I just kind of just goes back to, to showing up every day with, you know, the same attitude or mentality of, you know, <laughs> trying to win today, you know, it's, it's all, it's all you really can do is show up and put in your work and try to check off your boxes of, you know, things you need to accomplish, if that makes sense. So, um, you know, like I said, there is no, you know, there's really easy connection between Huck and I, you know, from the get go. So that made the transition much easier, you know, and the more the season went on and, you know, the more we talked and got to know each other more, you know, that relationship built and, you know, the trust came along with it. And, you know, so it was, you know, for me, for me, at least I, I was, you know, I was cool with the transition. It was easy. It was, it felt natural, you know, cause like I said, Huck was there for us. You know, and I appreciate, you know, everything that he did. So, you know, that's kind of where I'm at with that. After an, a very impressive season, I, I would assume that um, he made a good impression on you that you decided to come back to Lake Country for this year. Yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. So, I mean, it was I – was, I was very teetering, you know, what am I going to do at the end of last year and – um you know, I spoke with, with Huck and Tom, you know, throughout, you know, kind of that process of, you know, this is where I'm at, you know, and we kind of crossed T's, dotted I's, and sort of kind of left it at a, you know, we'll see where we're at in a couple months, and obviously, as, you know, most people can probably relate, that itch comes back much sooner rather than later, so um, that was, a, it was a, it was pretty easy to, you know, to kind of say, all right, let's suit up one more time and see what happens. So, um, yeah, I, I can't say I can't say enough good things about you know the organization and you know you know how they've treated me. It's been it's been awesome. They've taken care of me. Very transparent and um, you know, like I said, it's when 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 stuff like that's going on, that's what that's what gets you excited to show up to the stadium every day. Now let's talk a little bit about the season itself. Um, you had a phenomenal yeah. year and ma made the all-star team. When you entered into the season, what were your expectations? New ballpark, second-year team. I mean, what, what is, what's the expectation you're looking for for yourself when the season begins? I'd, uh, number one, number one thing always on my checklist is to stay healthy. Um, that's always, for me, that's always priority number one, you know, and take a lot of pride in that. That was my biggest thing going into the past season was making sure I was healthy, number one, healthy and strong for the duration of the season because I had some some nagging injuries in, in Sioux City in 21 or 22, that was, yeah, in 22. So um, definitely wanted to get back, you know, get my body right and make sure I could put the best product on the field. Um but yeah, my, my like I said, Tom was very transparent of like I'm trying to win, and that was perfect because that's that's my goal, man. You know, get out there and win because that's where I came from in college, and you know that taste of of what that left in my mouth was just kind of addicting. Of 
just win, win, win. So that's, you know, that's, that's kind of how I approach every day of, you know, I don't really care what happens, you know, let's just try to chalk up a win, you know, cause that's, that's what this game's about. And that's what, you know, everyone in this league is trying to do. So from, if we're looking at it from that perspective, I'd say it's, you know, staying healthy, winning, you know, and obviously for me, like the personal success isn't that big of a deal. Cause that's just sort of comes with, you know, that attitude of showing up every day and doing your job, doing the work, doing the little things you got to do in order to help, you know, raise the team to a new level. So, you know, the personal stuff, you know, intrinsically I've got my own goals and stuff, absolutely. But for me, it's, you know, stay healthy, but win. That's, that's you know, those are my two things. You know, it's kind of funny to hear you talk like that because you had such a great year. It seemed like you were always on base. I don't think you went two games in a row this year without getting on base at some point. It was just such a great year. But it sounds like by the way that you approach it that you just expected to have a great year out of them. Yeah, to be honest, I, I can't really give you an answer with that. You know, I've, I made a couple changes. And, you know, like I said, biggest thing, you know, for me, and I think any athlete can tell you is, you know, when you're when you're healthy and you fully know you're healthy and there's, you know, nothing in the back of your mind about a lingering injury or, you know, this might, you know, cause a setback or this is grabbing, you know, I think any athlete can tell you confidently that when there's nothing going on about an injury, nothing holding them back and they can play free, it makes the game much, much easier. So, um, yeah, that was, that's, I, I, I give a lot of credit to that, you know, and, um, you know, my trainer, his name's Joe Yeager, absolute, absolute G man. He is, He's one of the best in the business, and I give a lot of credit to him for 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 what he's done. So, like I said, staying healthy is huge for the confidence. And then, you know, as you guys know, baseball is all all mental. You know, got to have that good attitude of you know goldfish memory, but still be positive and confident. You know, have that edge, have that swagger to you. And you know, the best ones in the game are able to do that. And you know, never get too high, never get too low. So it's just sort of find that even mix of staying even keeled and, you know, staying within yourself. What was it like going from Sioux City, a market where, you know, the teams have always been good, but it's an older ballpark, it's a mid-sized city, to Oconomowoc, which the the dang near a brand-new ballpark, and you're really not that far away from a major city like Milwaukee. Was there a... Was there an adjustment period going from playing in a Sioux City to going to Oconomowoc? I wouldn't say there was necessarily, a, you know, like a learning curve per se or, you know, anything drastic. Because, like I said, I mean, you you put any, any guy in a clubhouse, you know, there's going to be people that mesh and, you know, the, 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 the banter and camaraderie that goes on in there. I mean, that's unmatched in my opinion, so you find that really in any clubhouse um, at, at no matter what level you're at. So, you know, like I said, the only things, you know, and to me, you know, like I said, it's work. I love what I do. I love showing up. I love working every day. I love playing this game. But the only real things, like I said, the only two difference between the two were, you know, one's a older facility. One is 
two years old. And to me, I mean, like I said, it's is what it is. You know, I'm playing this game for a living, so it's life ain't too bad. You know, I will say the the one thing I was a big fan of was our was the travel on the on the other side was much more friendlier for our end division. So um, I was a big fan of that. You know, uh, in Sioux City, the travel was a little bit, a little bit longer. Um, but like I said, it, it wasn't, you know, too, too much of a, you know, a difference, if that makes sense. But, um, you know, love my time in Sioux City. You know, Mongo and, you know, Bobby, those guys over there were awesome. You know, to, you know, gave me a second opportunity and, um, you know, we love a lot of love and respect for those guys over there. I suppose you guys are playing every Friday night, so you don't ever get a chance to go to a Wisconsin Friday night fish fry then. Yeah, no, I heard a lot of, a lot of talk about those. So, um, I will say, I think yeah, there's I had, one on every had, block. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I've, yeah, I've, you know, I never knew anything much about it, but, you know, the people are just raving about it, and I'm like, well, it's, we're going to need to find a way to make something happen here, but, yeah, I'm 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 going to try to see if we can get our hands on something like that or get something going, but, yeah, my uh, my son, my, my time up in, uh, in Wisconsin was filled with a lot of, uh, a lot of good cheese, man. I'm a big cheese fan, so I... <laughs> They've got, they've got the right a lot place. of good products, a lot of good food, man, a lot of good stuff going on up there in the north. So, so I'm curious, you know, when you're in Sioux City, the big rivalry there is Sioux Falls in Kansas City. So do yeah. we dislike Milwaukee or Chicago more? Who, who's who's your the team that you're like, bleh, when I face them? I wouldn't say I don't really get that feeling ever about a team, to be honest. You know, I mean, we did play. We played a lot of games with Milwaukee last year. I mean, that's definitely, like I said, we and, you know, the two teams in the Milwaukee area, there's definitely going to be, you know, a little bit of, little bit of heat between them, you know. But, you know, from, from a competitiveness standpoint, you know, everyone's going out there and, you know, like I said, the, the teams that you play more frequently than people you see more, those are when it starts to get, you know, a little bit more intensified. And I would say from, you know, the times that we played Milwaukee, those were the times where, you know, we needed to gain some ground, you know, and we had an opportunity there. So, you know, it was definitely, there were some heated, heated games in there. And, you know, like any, like any season, you're going to have heated games and, you know, heated series and you know the more times you see people the more familiar you become with them you know the more you know the do's and don'ts you know buzz this guy up and in don't buzz that guy up and in you know so there's definitely there's definitely some heat between it uh you know us in milwaukee but you know from from our perspective i loved it you know because it's just you know those type of things bring out the best in people in my opinion so you know, as a team collectively, I thought, you know, we, we definitely as a team raised, you know, our intensity, our effort, you know, all the little things. And, you know, now it's just sort of how do we carry that, you know, all of that energy and stuff from this series, it's being able to take that to the next series and avoid that hangover, you know. So definitely 
I'll tell you now, I'm looking forward to playing Milwaukee this year. I saw one of the more iconic moments of last season was against Milwaukee when Curtis Terry hit the walk-off home run to win the game for yeah. the Doc Hounds. And if he could, talk a little bit about Terry and the impact he had on the ball club when he joined because, boy, I mean, he went on quite a tear with the home runs, and I think if he had played a whole season, yeah. he could have been a threat to the all-time record. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'll tell you, yeah, curb man, that game can swing it. I mean, I mean, there's no, there's no joke. I mean, it's it's pretty pretty clear how how that guy made it to the big leagues. So, um, awesome dude, really good teammate. You know, I enjoyed my time with Kurt. Um, but man, that dude, he just he just had that presence to him when he got in the box. You know, he just. You could just tell some dudes have a little bit different with him. Like Kurt had a plan, knew what he was doing. He stuck to it. You know, he showed up every day, and you knew what you were going to get from him. And but from like as a teammate perspective, just knowing he's going to the plate, it's like pay attention because this could be sent 4:30. You know, so it was very, very, very cool to see that. You know, and just to be able to have that in your dugout and the way we kind of cycled through our lineup. I felt we were pretty good at turning our lineup over pretty quick. So to be able to try to get Kirk to the plate every other inning was, was huge for us. Yeah, that was quite an offense you guys had last season. It seemed like everybody in the lineup hit over 300. You got to feel pretty good about when you go out there every night, knowing that you guys are going to score a bunch of runs. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's, that's, Unfortunately, unfortunately, towards the end of the season, that was that was kind of the kick for us. Was our offense kind of dwindled, and you know, weren't able to put across some runs when we needed to, and you know, couldn't get the the big hit, the big two out Ribby, and you know, unfortunately, that's just a game that's how it rolls sometimes. But you know, there was there was that stretch when we got hot, sort of June, July, kind of making a push into August of, you know. It was kind of just like, man, everything just is loud off everyone's bat right now. You know, just quality ABs, quality ABs, and just like I said, when when when, when things are going good, this game's really really fun. You know, and um, to be a part of that offense last year and kind of what we did, and you know, sort of kind of set the, t- the table and standard of you know this is what we're trying to accomplish next year. It was a really good foundation from you know year two going into to year three with where we're at right now. Did you get a sense at the end of the year from the guys as we all went your separate ways that maybe there could be a thing about getting the band back together and making a run in 2024, or do you expect a different cast of characters come spring training? Yeah, uh... I've, of course, I mean, of course, I talked to, you know, I talked to a good group of core guys, you know, that were, you know, similar shoes as I was that, you know, started the year and finished the year. There was only a handful of us that were, you know, kind of originals from opening day. And, um, you know, for the most part, I thought that everyone was in the same kind of same boat of, you know, if I don't get a, you know, affiliate op or, you know, uh something internationally the plan was to you know come back and sort of run back what we what we kind of got going because you know from the transition from 
year one to year two, I can't really speak on that because I wasn't, you know, on the team. Um, you know, from what I saw and what I've heard, you know, the jump from from one to from year one to year two is pretty significant. So, you know, in my eyes, the, the jump from year two to three, from year two to year three, should be a little bit more significant. So, I mean, I'm really excited about you know the opportunity we have. You know, because I know Tom's 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 out there grinding. He's up to up to a bunch of players on his whiteboard and I know he's excited about it. He's called me a couple of times, you know, and um, sort of filled me in on some arms and this and that. So I know that, you know, I'll tell you now the team is, the team is in win now mode and it's, you know, we're selling out to, to, to build something special this year. Blake, I'm, I'm curious, what is it like, because you don't normally see this in a lot of, and almost in any sport. But what is it like when you have an owner that is not only really involved in the team, but just a guy who really knows the ins and outs of what's going on within your organization, and, and really involved in the day-to-day operations and stuff? I think it makes, you know, I think it makes it sort of easier, you know, for, you know, just a connection thing. You know, Tom is. Tom knows everyone, you know, by name and, you know, he's, he's, he's on the field, he's in the clubhouse. Like he's asking how you are, you know, how's this, how's that, you know, he, he truly cares, you know, to make sure that, you know, you're at peace off the field that way you can get the best product on the field. So to have him, you know, have an ownership group and, you know, front office staff that is, you know, transparent with their players and can connect with them on more of a personal level rather than a business level. For me, I think that's, that's huge. Cause it, like I said, it gives you that comfort of, you know, I'm here. These people know me. You just get that sort of feeling of, you know, comfortability, I guess. I don't know if that's the right word, but you know, it just makes you feel like you're in the right place, you know? So to be able to have that, you know, I think that's, gives me some peace of mind, you know, to where there's nothing really up in the air, you know. Um, but, you know, from what from, from all I've seen and what, you know, what they're doing, what Tom's doing, what they're trying to accomplish, yeah, it's been, you know, very, very, you know, beneficial for for everyone, I think. What, what I like about that is you were talking about his commitment to winning, and I think when he's putting himself in the heart of that, he's, so to speak, putting his money where his mouth is, kind of like, well, I expect you to win. Well, I better be a part of help making that happen. Yeah, no, it's – I hear about – yeah, I hear about all the time. So, I mean, it's – you know, I don't know. It's 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 – I don't know what it is or if it's it's kind of how Tom's wired, but he's, he's trying to build a clubhouse of a lot of guys that think like him and have that – that just sour ass taste of of bitterness when you lose and when you underperform and you know the bar the bar said high the standard is very high and the expectations are high so you know if you look at the greats in the world I mean that's that's kind of how stuffs run you know I mean there's no there's no sort of level of complacency for for average or or okay or good you know the expectation is is greatness, and that's what you know. The more people that you have that can buy into that, the easier it makes you know 
everything else involved, if that makes sense. Now, I love when Kevin asked this question to a couple of people before, so I'm going to ask it to you as well. How long did it take you to get the name Kahnemawak said correctly? Uh, yeah, there, there was, uh, there was a couple, a couple, uh, a couple syllables sounding out that I had to do in order to get it right. But I would say it definitely took me four or five times. I mean, there's, I mean, it's what, it's like a five or six syllable word. I mean, that's, that's a lot of those words aren't in my, uh, in my brain upstairs. So <laughs> trying to get, uh, trying to get multiple syllable words, got a little bit of Indian background. Yeah, there's. Well, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of cities out there like Waukesha. I learned that one's a new word for me. You know, like Pewaukee, That's another one. There's there's a lot of a lot of funky spelled words up there that definitely I've mispronounced plenty of times until I was corrected by the locals. Uh, I'm sensing you're going to be teaching a little Wisconsin geography coming up here pretty soon, then. Yeah, no, they, uh, yeah, like I said, it's easy. I don't know what it is. It's the names, they, they stick out, and they're just weird. They resonate. Once you learn it, you know, it's like riding a bike. <laughs> right on, I like it. T tell us a little bit about your college career. Got to stay home there in the local state there to go to college. That must have been pretty exciting. Yeah, so coming out of high school, I wasn't, you know, the highest, you know, highest recruited kid or, or anything um ended up ending up at louisville was kind of kind of luck you know um ended up ended up getting a little bit of exposure to him and you know had did did well when i went down there and you know they they saw me playing travel ball and summer stuff and um you know at the time i didn't know much about <laughs> college baseball or university of louisville but you know i knew that you know, ever since I was a kid, you know, the dream was to to be a big leaguer. And, you know, as I got older, you know, into high school and started to get recruited, it was like, all right, now, you know, the realistic route through this is let's go to college, let's perform in college and get drafted. So, you know, when I went down there, the, the coaching staff was, you know, very, very transparent with, you know, this this program is not for everyone. You know, I can't promise you anything. You know, a lot of a lot of what we do is earned, and you know, we're we're trying to build. That's that's just kind of how the University Louisville program is. It's just built off culture and winning, and you know, I loved everything about that. To where, you know, they almost sold the program on me. To where, yeah, I, it was kind of like a no-brainer of yeah, this is this is where I should spend the next three four years of my life developing and. Fortunately, that you know worked out pretty pretty favorably for me, and um, absolutely loved my time. Loved, loved, loved my time down there. Um, Coach Mack, Dan McDonald did a great job when I was there. Um, Eric Snyder, my hitting coach, recruiting coordinator, best hitting coach in the country, hands down in my opinion. Um, so I give a lot of credit to those two and. And what they did for me in my time there and, you know, obviously performance staff and the teammates that I had were, were also very crucial in, in all of that. But very, very fortunate to to be to be at Louisville at the time I was there from, you know, a athletic standpoint, 
a lot of really good teams, the basketball, football team, the women's basketball teams, all the, you know, they were all peaking at that time. So it was awesome. Very fun time, you know, and the other side of it, I was extremely, extremely fortunate to play with a lot of, a lot of good dudes from, from 2013 to 20 or from 14 to 16. And, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of names running around that I played with that are still playing and running around in the big leagues. So it's very, very, very fortunate. You know, it, it seems like you, cause you had talked about this, that football and, and basketball really get the most amount of attention at Louisville. Do you guys get really overshadowed by that or is it, or baseball is just as big there? So it was, like I say, it was a very interesting time when I was there. Uh, the football team, the football team just one came off a Sugar Bowl win recently. You know, you had Teddy B was a quarterback. Devontae Parker was out wide. You know, you had Sheldon Rankins was on that team. James Burgess just they had dudes running in and out of the league, and that was awesome. Charlie Strong was building the powerhouse. You know, basketball. To in, in my opinion, basketball has got to move. You know, it was its own entity. It was its own identity. Then they, then they, then they got into some trouble. You know, they had the scandal and this and that, and so that 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 kind of put everything kind of on wraps. But you know, at the time, the only thing that you know was really kind of consistent was the baseball program. You know, there was never really in trouble with this, that, the other. And, um. You know, we always got love. Like I said, was, we we I played with a lot of uh, played with a lot of dudes, so I was uh, pretty fortunate to sort of be a beneficiary of uh, being on a star-studded team for for three years. So we definitely got got a lot, got a little bit of love, but for the most part, you know, in my mind, it was kind of low-key, which is cool. I don't really like distractions. I'm not, you know, big into all the the pizzazz and media and all that stuff. So for, from where I was, from my perspective, I thought it was, you know, perfect. Now, geographically speaking, Louisville is probably in that mid-range between being a north and being a south school. So did, mm -hmm. for baseball, did you guys have to do the trips to Florida and Arizona to get games in early in the season, or were you able to stick around at home and get games in man we this is this man we talk about this all the time because it's just funny because you know in our coach's mind but and then it it just kind of goes back to the mentality i have today i give a lot of credit to our coach of <laughs> it doesn't matter what the weather is you you know you tell yourself you're playing until something something happens so if the sun was out, and I'll tell you now, we were practicing. There was no ifs, ands, or buts. If it was sunny and 28 degrees, we were playing outside. We were practicing. We were inter-squatting to make sure that our arms got working. I mean, it was, you know, get over the barrier of being cold because other people got to be in it too, you know. So there was, uh, there was a lot of cold games, a lot of cold games, a lot of cold practices, a lot of cold scrimmages that – were they the most fun? Absolutely not. It's not. It was. It wasn't fun to face my pitching staff in uh, thirty degree weather. I'll tell you that now. So <laughs> it was. Uh, yeah, 
a lot of cold ball, but did it prepare prepare us? Absolutely, it it did. So, like I said, it was it fun, no, but did it did it work? Yes. We're drafted by the Mets in the third round. Were you watching to see when that happened? No, I I, I kind of got a pretty cool story with that. Uh, so. We were actually at the time we were we had our we had our super regional practice that was you know NCA sanctioned. So I was actually at practice when it happened, and you know at the time going into going into the day, I I sort of knew that it was going to be somewhere in that three four ish range, and maybe fifth, you know whatever. But you know I was kind of just on the phone with my agent, you know, before practice and the draft, the draft actually started at, you know, whatever time our, our practice was supposed to start. So there was, there was a lot of anxiety, a lot of nerves and stuff, you know, cause you know, I'm getting ready to play in a super regional to go to Omaha and, you know, I've got, you know, this, this opportunity on the line. So I was out of the loop and it was very, very unending and unnerving and probably about, you know, I want to say 30 or 40 minutes in, um, Drew Harrington was drafted by the Braves. Um, and we kind of knew because our trainer was out there and kind of keeping tabs. But, you know, probably an hour in, hour or so in, you know, he came over and just kind of showed me, you know, kind of a, this is a little, this is a little graph of like, I just got drafted and to be able to share that like on the field and, you know, my teammates around me, that was, that's probably one of the coolest baseball memories that I can give you of just like everything that you work for just happens right there in that moment. It's unexpected. And like I said, to be able to share that, you know, with the teammates I had was something I hold very, very close to me. So that was very cool. Sounds like an incredible experience. Well, Blake, Kevin and I want to thank you very much for joining us this week, but you're a first-time guest. We have to teach you a little bit here is that all of our guests get to give us a final thought. So whatever you'd like to talk about, the floor is yours. The final thought. All right, man. Okay, I like this. Um, my final thought, a little interesting, but... Um, hmm. I think, in my opinion, I wish that the American had a longer season. I think, because I think the Atlantic, the Atlantic goes about 120-ish, 122 games. I don't know. I eat it up. I would love to play a little bit longer, you know, maybe get a little bit deeper into September, even start earlier. I personally think that the season starts a little bit too late, but like I said, I get it with the staggered affiliate seasons, XYZ, but that's my kind of two cents on the whole thing. I don't know if logistically it could work out, but as a player, you know, for a shot out there, never know what could happen. But yeah, I would love, I would love a little bit longer season. I like it. Blake Tavari, thanks for joining us this week. Yeah, thanks hey, for doing this. My pleasure, those. guys. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. Thank you guys for having me. Take care.
Well, Kevin, great having Blake finally on the show and uh, learn a lot about what's going on with Lake Country and excited to see what they have to offer this year. Yes, you know, it's as you point out during the show, you know, it's been a gradual movement for them. I mean, we know how the first year obviously didn't go the way they wanted it to at all. And then there was improvement in 2023. And like you said, you know, there's uh, parts there now where they can make that next move and then look at making a serious run at a playoff spot and if acting, you know, even advancing in the playoffs. So, I think it'll be an interesting season on Oconomowoc this summer. You know, Kevin, you and I have been around, you've been around independent baseball for a really long time. Um, but one of the things I really like about this club is you haven't, and I, he was talking about this, you have an owner that is completely knowledgeable about baseball, understands the ins and outs of how you go and recruit and sign guys and, get the right kind of fit for your club. That's really refreshing, and I, I love that about this team. It's very unique. Usually the owners are pretty hands-off. They let the field manager do most of the player personnel moves, and so this is kind of a unique situation with the Dockhounds where you're hoping the owner and the manager are on the same page as far as procurement and what they're looking for out of a player. So, you know, if you keep them on the same page, it's, it's a system that could work out very well. Yeah, seems to be turning things around there, so we really like that. Well, Kevin, let's jump into the news around the American Association. And I, I got to tell you, I, 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 I hope I'm reading this right, Kevin, but Cleburne signs catcher Justin O'Connor. And is this the same Justin O'Connor who played for the St. Paul Saints five or six years ago? I have to imagine it is. And when I caught that news, I had to set down my Chick-fil-A and um, send a text to Brad Allred saying, hey, gosh, you guys got yourselves a good one down there if you want to control other teams running games because O'Connor was in St. Paul in 2018 and he was just a, a stud behind the plate for the Saints. You know, they're guys, um, the, the word got around, he did not run on Justin O'Connor. And, you know, the bat was suspect going into that season. But then O'Connor, the average rating never got all that high with the Saints, but he started knocking some balls out of the ballpark too. So, you know, we saw how that went. He moved on to try to become a pitcher, and obviously it didn't work out. Spent last year in Charleston in the Atlantic League, and... Pete Incavelia got a hold of him and is going to bring him into the fold with the with Cleburne. Yeah, remember, he started out hitting in the low 200 for much of the year. I think he got to as high as 250, but as you mentioned, that was really swinging the, the home run numbers after a little while there. But I, I just remember that if you were leaning a little bit too far off first base, you knew you were getting picked off. The guy was just had a rocket arm. And uh, it was just fun to watch. I think he was even the all-star catcher, despite not having a, a serious batting average. Um, so, uh, 
good to see that he's returning back to the American Association. Wish he would have got a chance out there, you know, back in affiliate ball, but has been playing in the Atlantic League, I guess, the last few years. And um, so, look for big success out of him in Cleburne. And uh, Cleburne, you know, is very, very interesting, Kevin, because they have come up with some pretty solid catchers over the last few years, and, and no, nobody's going to be better than Justin O'Connor down there in Cleburne to handle this pitching staff. And I think in that division, it seems, you know, if I'm kind of doing some recollecting in my head as we're talking here, it seems like every team in the East Division have a good share of guys that can steal bases. So if you've got a guy like O'Connor that can keep other teams running games in check, that's going to be a huge plus for Cleveland this summer. Yeah, those days are over <laughs> when you take on Cleveland. Let's talk a little bit about other signings out there. The Gary South Shore Railcats uh, re-signed outfielder Jesus Mariaga and catcher Guillermo Quintana will return to the club. Jesus, uh, Kevin, you and I have talked about this over the years, is that uh, probably the most unsung guy in the American Association. Always around the 300, guy gets on base, um, drives in runs, good outfielder, uh, just uh, kind of living a, a, an anonymous life in the Gary South Shore area. He is. I think if you had a player like him and playing for a more high-profile team within the league like a Fargo-Moorhead or a Kansas City, I think a lot more people would be talking about him. Yeah, I'm trying to think the uh, – and it's escaping me. And I'm, Wyatt – I'm trying to think of it. The guy who was like in that – Colin Willis, that's who I'm that just thinking of was that same Bowden and Gary, and then some yeah. was signed by Kansas City, and all of a sudden, you know, was putting up all those numbers we expected to see. So um, maybe he winds up having to move on to finally get a chance to get a little more recognition. But love him and Gary, and I hope that he's able to stay there. Yeah, you know, it's you, you like to see those kind of guys stay with one team and not have to move on in order to – get the exposure that they need, you know. All these guys should be on the same level as far as all their games are televised on American Association TV. There there shouldn't be a discrepancy of exposure where a guy feels like he needs to go somewhere within the same league in order to get noticed. Nick Bell re-signs with Kane County this season as well, Kevin. Uh, Nick was a guy who burst into the American Association in St. Paul and didn't stay there very long. You know, made a made a very big impression right off the bat and found himself back in affiliate ball with the Milwaukee Brewers, um, but uh, never really seemed you know had some okay seasons, but never really seemed to live up to some of those early expectations. He's starting to get a pretty good collection of caps. Uh. Within the league, I, I mean, I don't have his stats in front of me, but we're, I mean, we're looking at St. Paul, Kansas City, Sioux City, Kane County. Uh, was there anyone else in there, too? Oh, I think that's it. So, what, one, two, three, four. It's not his fourth team now in the league. So, um, I, I, do we know what, what's the all-time record for a guy for number of teams? Do it. Do, does somebody keep that record out there? Do we know what that is? I do not, but I got a feeling that we will 
with the super fans that listen into the show, I'm sure somebody will will do the homework on it and come up with it. I have yeah, we're gonna have a prize. I don't know what it's gonna be, but whoever comes up with the answer to that question, I'll have a prize for them. Uh, it'll be a good one too. It won't be something lame. <laughs> I'll say that. So we'll do something for you. We we appreciate our fans out there. Uh, last two signings of the week, Kevin Sioux Falls signs outfielder Aaron Whit- Whitefield, excuse me, and Winnipeg signs outfielder Ryan Holgate, and that closes out transactions in the American Association. I do not believe that we had any other new news to the league. I'm just going to make sure that we didn't have any uh, like new contract or new partners or something joining the league. So I think that's it for this week. Okay. So that's it for the American Association. Uh, quickly we to the Frontier League. Oh, we did see Sioux Falls jump aboard the tacos and tequila boat. Oh, we're right on. So yet another ballpark. Guy, but... I'll be hosting one of those. One of those, I'm not um, a tequila cautions. guy, but I, but I love tacos. Tacos are good stuff. And, and obscure rap music. I just hope, keep, keep those people off of the outfield. We've seen how these festival things can just damage a field in the middle of the year. I mean, look at how Kansas City just never seemed to bounce back after they hosted theirs in the middle of the season. And we know how the Sioux Falls does have the grass outfield. So hopefully they can find a way to contain it within the, the infield. And, you know, and I was thinking there, too, of the way that ballpark is set up. They could do fencing, I think, where you'd have the festival in the ballpark in the infield area and then have it outside the park, like north of the – North of the ballpark where there's just a huge parking lot, maybe they can figure out something where they can do a lot of stuff out there instead of um, doing damage to their outfield. Because they're going to have it in the middle of August, so obviously they'll have some games after the festivals there. Absolutely. Let's jump into the Frontier League, Kevin, and uh, our uh, a person I've always admired in life, Bobby Brown, managing up there in Ottawa. Names his uh, new assistant coach out there, and uh, Dave Peterson, guy who ran Houston when they were in the league a oh, couple I remember years him. ago. Yeah, I love Dave. He will be taking over as the assistant coach for Bobby Brown this year. So two guys I really like together. I think that would be a great combination there in Ottawa. So looking forward to that. Uh, also, the league announced that April 22nd through the 23rd at Wild Things Park will be the big uh, event where guys can come out and try to get um, like a a camp draft thing that they do there. So if you're looking to suit up and put on your cleats and glove and go out there and try to see if you can make it back in, a, in base, the professional baseball world, there's your opportunity. So Wild Thing Park, April 22nd through the 23rd. How many, like, what what's the maximum mile per hour pitch do you think you could hit at this age now, Kevin? I don't know. What does the softball come in at? <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking for me, like like 30 or 40. Yeah, that's, that's probably about, about the right call. I'm going with that, too. Did uh, you ever play slow-pitch softball? Yes. Not very well. I, always, yeah. <laughs> I always thought it was funny, and this was kind of like a, a Jim Rome bit, 
of like the softball players that just take it so seriously. And they're they're going up to the plate asking the batter before, what's this guy got? What's this guy have? What's he throwing? <laughs> I don't know. He's throwing a ball that you can probably obliterate because he got a bat with kryptonite and it going that's gonna head right towards the head of a forty year old playing shortstop that's just out there because he wants to have some beers and hang out with the boys. And you're 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 trying to measure a pitch of a guy that's thrown a underhand like eighteen miles an hour. You know, it's funny you say that because this had to have been like fifteen, eighteen years ago or something when ESPN was still watchable. Um, they had this like Canada versus the United States softball game on, on one night. And like the first nine or 10 guys for both lineups all hit home runs. <laughs> I was thinking, what, what are we, why are we watching this? I mean, I had to shut it off after this because I just thought this is, this is a complete waste of time. And I guess there's some kind of rule where if it reaches so many runs in an inning, they you're out anyway, and they just move on. <laughs> uh, this is as boring as I get. I couldn't take it any longer, so <laughs> I shut it off. But I'm with you. There was a they had like a something going on at Midway Stadium during the day with softball players, and I think they were filming it for like a TV show. And I was really surprised because I mean George Samuels is a hardcore baseball guy. And it was during one of his Saturday night tailgate session with us. He comes out and he was just like, oh, oh wow, did you see those guys in those balls, softballs out of the ballpark? Oh, my God, it was, I'm thinking, wow, George is impressed with this? <laughs> As a baseball <laughs> guy, I'm thinking, I'm thinking here's all these guys in their 20s and 30s that are doing this because they couldn't hit a curveball. Yeah, that sounds pretty strange. One bit of news out of the I, I get I get bored awfully quick watching it myself. It's yeah, I'm I'm totally with you on that. Uh, quick news out of the Atlantic League, Kevin, and that is that the Lancaster Barnstormers will be turning their grass field into artificial turf at a Clipper Magazine Stadium for the 2024 season, and uh, man. I'm, why would you get off grass to turf? I guess it's cost effective, but that's not as much fun for baseball. But apparently it's it's going to be the trend. I think we're seeing it with a lot of the newer ballparks too, where, like you said, it's cost effective and you can play games there earlier in the spring and not worry about the grass not being in yet or, or killing what little grass you have. So I'm a purist just like you are. I, lo I love seeing the grass field mowed perfectly. And, but, you know, we've seen it in this league too. You know, pretty much every new ballpark has got a field turf field. And they're accommodating taco and tequila nights so they can have fans out there and, the, and not have to worry about the field being damaged. That's right. <laughs> so, Kevin, big big question though. Which is better? Because there'd be some that argue. So tacos kind of leaves me on. Enchiladas are better or burritos are better? Oh, I'm a burrito guy. I, I feel that it's, it's 
more economical. You know, you got all your got all your stuff within one shell instead of um, having a have a whole plate of enchiladas. Yeah, give me a chipotle burrito, and I'm, I'm as content as can be. There you go. And I, I, I always think it's better when you can eat something with your hands. Right? And that's, that's what we are made to do. So I'm with you on that. Right on. Well, I think that takes us through uh, news from out the partner leagues out there. So we're at the final, or excuse me, at the shout-out for this week, Kevin. So who are we shouting out to? Well, I am doing a shout-out to Jared Goff and the Detroit Lions for pretty much rejuvenating professional football in a football-crazy state of Michigan where you got two powerhouse um, college teams of Michigan and Michigan State. Finally, the Detroit Lions are are getting some attention, and I think it's interesting there's a baseball tie-in because Jerry Goff's father, Jerry Goff, was a former MLB player, played for Montreal. And I was reading his Wikipedia, and this is going to be interesting this week because Detroit plays San Francisco, and Goff grew up as a 49ers fan. Oh, what about that? But, yeah, no. But yes, shout out for Jared Goff and the Lions for the the great run they've been on and just um, getting getting Detroit Lions football back on the map again. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It's very interesting because I think this is the longest franchise in any sport now that has never won a title. They never won a championship in anything. So, I mean, it's been a long time. So, I mean, it's clearly nothing. I mean, because I think they're down from like the 40s or something. Maybe I'm wrong with that. But I, I think Detroit has never won a championship of any time there with the Lions. So, so correct me out there, fans, too. I'm, I'm up for it. Um, let's see. So, who, who am I shouting out to this week? How about um, I am shouting out to um, – Man, that's a good question. Uh, man, I didn't think this over very well, Kevin. I got to tell you. <laughs> so let's see. How about uh, how about sh- you know? Here's what I'm going to shout out to because you know I understand it's not baseball related, but I'm going to shout out to my good buddy Kevin Luco, who if there there is not a bigger hockey guy out there traveling for college hockey this weekend, gets some minor league hockey and goes to cover some USHL, goes out to see Waterloo and some places like that, NAHL and the Minnesota Wild, a guy who's got it all going on. It's funny you mentioned that. I'm, like, in my biggest rut right now of not seeing games the entire season, but I do appreciate that. Always in on the action and stuff. I really love that. So, fantastic. Well, once again, Kevin and I want to thank Blake DeBerry for joining this week. For Kevin Luco, I'm Rob Panier. We'll see you next time on This Week in the Association.